the, the chasing the feelings, the hype, the experience was really big for me. And I felt almost like I was failing God during prayer and certain things that I was performing during these times because I wasn't feeling him. I would even so much go so far, Don, where I would set up my room for my room for him, like welcoming him in the room. And there was a lot of that welcome the Lord in the room, the, you know, the Lord of hosts, like welcome him in the room. I would light candles. I would clean before prayer time. And I wanted to make sure that I was presentable to the Lord um, because that was really big. You know, a lot of the times it was said that the Lord is in the room. People would fall. He's here as if he was like in the flesh here. So, and it made me feel a lot of times like I wasn't saved because I wasn't experiencing what everyone else was experiencing. Right. And that was, that's not the truth. That's a lie. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It, It can be very tempting to rely back on our experiences and our feelings. And that's what we use. Um, a lot of times to validate and say, well, that's how I know that God's real because I felt this or this happened, or that's how I know that I'm really spiritual and really close to God. Um, And it, it really does set up this, um, it it sets up this class of Christians because what about those that never feel that? Um, Does that make them less than, does that make them not born again? Does that make them not as significant to to God if that's the view that someone has about significance and again it it gets the focus off of Christ um sufficiency of Christ and and um and our sufficiency that we have in him of in every area of our life yes and the music we always have music on I had music on all the time prophetic worship um because if I wasn't feeling I had to get the feelings going with the music and you know, start singing the scriptures. And I believe in, you know, praying the scriptures. I believe that I do that till this day. Um, But I was singing the scriptures and it's like, I had to catch this feeling. The atmosphere had to change to be in the presence of God. And it, it was so, it was so overwhelming. It was exhausting. That's the, that's the word of this podcast, exhausting. Yeah. And, and he, and he needs our help, doesn't he? Because obviously he can't come unless we set the atmosphere, right? So th- this whole, and I, and I say that oh, facetiously, yeah. but I, I was one that also believed that, like I, I did that. Um, and, and it's such a low view of God it because is. then it puts God at my mercy Mm-hmm. and at your mercy and at Jenny's mercy and other people's mercy. And God is not big enough to do what he wants to do. He's not sovereign. He's, he's not able to do what he, he needs to do because he needs us. Um, yes. And then that's when we've created a God in our own imagination. Hi there. And welcome to the love six scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Lovesick Scribe. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, wherever you are. Um, I It's a little bit different this week, so I'm thanking you so much for joining me on this podcast this week, because I'm actually having a discussion with a friend and sister in Christ uh, that we met a, a little over a year ago, actually, 
Um, and so we're going to be having a conversation today. I've really enjoyed getting to know her and um, consider it a privilege to be able just to, to, um, to walk along with her in, a, in our relationship with Christ and um, in, in her journey of coming out of the hyper-charismatic movement. And so I wanted to have her on today to share because I think this is a really important topic that we're getting ready to talk about um, because of its in growing influence that's taking place. And some of the teachings, I've had several women reach out to me over the past year or more, and they have expressed um, the same issues a lot of times, a lot of the same concerns, a lot of the same treatment. Um, and so she uh, is someone that I felt that was ready and she felt ready to talk about this particular topic today. And so um, Trish, I wanna thank you so much for coming on and being willing to talk today. Thank you for having me, Dawn. <laughs> Yay. So I have, yes, I'm excited too. And I'm just so glad that you're on here, Trish. And I know that this is, it can be a heavy topic today. And I just want to start this out by saying this first and foremost, um, this is not a gossip session. Um, I'm not interested and she's not interested in um, attacking someone personally. Whenever I do a podcast and talk about specific issues related to this movement, I'm always wanting to address the teachings and to, to look at what's being told to other people, what's being taught, and to always take it back to the word of God and say, okay, is this biblical or is this teaching that is actually biblical that's leading back to the truth of the word of God? Are we actually being edified in what the Bible actually says and growing in spiritual maturity? And I have some concerns as I have expressed over the past few years about different things. And because of someone who was in this type of movement, not in this of what Trish is getting ready to talk about, but I have close affiliations with the individuals in this movement. So yes. we met a little over a year ago um, and you reached out to me after leaving um, a group affiliated with the hyper charismatic movement. Can you tell us about that group? Yes, ma'am. So I was a part of Jenny Weber's uh, core group. Um, so this class really kind of drew me in because there was just so much going on, so many, you know, things that I considered discipleship classes, and I wanted to grow in the Lord. I mean, at the time, there were like, I think, almost 5,000 women in the group, so it was growing, and it just uh, looked like a lot of exciting things going on, and I joined. I joined, okay, and okay. yeah, so... That was Jenny Weaver's group. <laughs> yeah, I think it's almost tripled in size close to, I think there's about 13,000 individuals that are part of it now, not including children. Is that right? That's what I've heard. Yeah. And I've heard that they have extended to men's ministry now, um, things okay. like that too. So it's growing definitely at a rapid pace, rapid yeah. pace. I yeah. saw on the website too, I know that they, um, that there's a fee to be a part of it. It's $20 a month mm -hmm. um, to be a part of it. So I'll let everybody do the math on that one. Um, but um, so uh, that's not including e-courses that would be provided outside of that. I know that she has like a t-shirt uh, webinar that she offers. Um, yes, t-shirts. Yes. Uh, um, it didn't include uh, retreats. So she would say it was for the retreats, but we would have to pay our own airfare, which was very expensive. Okay. Things like that as well. So I was okay. never, never able to go on the retreats uh, because of that. Okay. Um, the $20 a month was hard enough on my finances. So um, yeah. 
So what what did the $20 include? What what did you get when you were part of the core group? The $20 included all the classes for the six, seven days a week. So we had access to the portal that we were able to um, have when we signed up. Um, all her prayer, you know, prayer classes, all her lives. Um, that's it. Just courses on her, on her portal that she had. Okay. So yeah. you had class six, seven days a week. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, when I was in, it was about six days a week. And I do remember her saying that she wanted to extend it for seven. She did started adding other classes, um, as I was involved, um, and it did become six days. So I was constantly on my computer and my phone for every single day of the week. How long would you be on for, for the, when you were on? I mean, how long would those, those times last? Um, they're about an hour. Her lives would kind of go maybe an hour or two. Um, okay. Yeah. About an hour or two a day. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, we do our own study time on our, on our own time. So when class was over, we would kind of do our own studies and get along with the Lord and, you know, um, just, you know, we, we had to have our own individual relationship with the Lord. It wasn't just during class, right? Sure, so sure. There was sure. just constant hours of repeating the courses that she was teaching us into my daily life. So, okay. All right. Well, how long were you part of the core group? I was a part of it about six months. So February of 2022. Um, and I left July 4th of 2022. Okay. How did you end up finding out about, I mean, what, what drew you to, to the core group? So, um, I know it was that January I started. So I've heard of John Ramirez, um, for many years, I watched his, um, testimony and it just always touched me. Okay. And, um, he started coming out with deliverance books and I have never done deliverance prayers or read about them, heard about them really yeah. for Christians. You know, in my mind, I was thinking, Hey, you know, people who are unbelievers need deliverance. I don't need deliverance. Right. So I, I kind of come came across, uh, John Ramirez, um, and I started reading deliverance books and then under him was Isaiah Saldivar. He started showing up on my feed and I was like, man, this guy's on fire, you know, and just all these things. And, oh, he's doing the same thing as John. And then Jenny started kind of showing up on my feed. Okay. And so I became so drawn to Jenny Weaver. I watched her almost every day. And, um, I finally joined after a few months of watching her and, that's kind of how I got into it. It started with John Ramirez. Um, in, in May of 2022, um, you were promoted within the yes. group by Jenny herself. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So Jenny basically came up with this idea um, to have overseers for each state. Um, it kind of helped her, I guess, to kind of set up events and things like that. But everything had to be approved by her. So I think what the reason she did that was so that she could see all the states and what we were going to do, like meetups, evangelism days. So it was basically controlled in a sense because we couldn't set anything up without using that um, that software app that she had us have or okay. sign up for. Um, so everything on there, we would have, you know, evangelism days, meetups, things like that. Um, and it would have to be approved by her. 
So um, I basically was the person alongside another uh, sister at the time um, to basically just post and have meetups and just get the approval by Jenny and set up those meetups as a group of women in California. Okay. Yeah. So that was in May. Um, you mentioned about the groups that you all had. Um, mm -hmm. So were you all encouraged at all that if you met with any other core group um, member, did it have to be scheduled? Yes, it did. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say like as an, in, like if I wanted to get coffee with the sisters. Sure. Sure. Um, but anything that was large where we would go to the park as a group, like my group had maybe like eight women in San Bernardino. Um, and that was at, at a sister's house. We couldn't really meet up without Jenny's approval. It had to be approved by her. Um, I actually kind of got in trouble <laughs> because I, I tried to um, have a meet up with a bunch of sisters in California and it wasn't approved by her. And I did get in trouble for that. <laughs> um, but my intentions were well, because I wanted to meet all my sisters and just kind of have like a brunch or like, you know, a get together and get to know all my sisters in California. And they were all willing to drive out from Sacramento and yeah. all these places. Um, but that's kind of when she went into the, the portal. Oh, hey, we're going to start doing it here and I'll approve it. So yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> that, yeah. that is interesting. <laughs> what kind of things did you do in the core group? I know you said that the women would meet up. I know that um, yeah. I've seen videos of Jenny going to different States and I guess she would surprise some of the, the, um, the different areas and, and she would uh, join them with the meetups. What, what all did you all do? I know you said, obviously you said you went to, to class six, seven days a week um, and uh, you would have yeah. meetups. So what else would you do? Oh, it was a lot. Um, like I said, in the core, we did a lot. We did the six, seven days a week. Um, we had online, we had prophecy threads. So someone would post a photo. This was weekly, by the way. Um, we would post a photo of ourselves. And if someone felt led to prophesy over that person, everyone would comment under and say a word for the Lord. Oh. Uh, the Lord is saying, or the Lord is showing me. Um, things like that. So she really wanted to, us to exercise our prophetic callings, our prophetic gifts, things like that. Um, like I said, this was constant. This was weekly. So, I mean, I had a picture up there every week and someone was telling me what God was saying about me. Uh, there were things that were very inaccurate, by the way, um, in that moment. And I just was like, mm, God wouldn't say that, you know, God knows what I'm doing right now. So why is this saying this? Core group meetups about once a month. It might've changed now. It might be every other week. I don't know, but we didn't okay. see her very often. Um, like I said, everything was online when I was in the group. Um, we never had our Bibles out. We always read books. We had a lot of books. Um, Jennifer LeClaire, we had um, Prophetic Voice of God. Um, just just books, constantly books. Um, you know, um, the word was preached and referenced, but it wasn't read in context. Mm. Um, so it was a lot of like, you know, um, read it, it's in the Bible. And then going off one little scripture and then, you know, you just kind of believe it at that point. Um, we did a lot of deliverance things. Um, everything was demonic. 
everything needed deliverance. So I think the thing that um, I'm kind of healing from right now is constantly believing that I need deliverance right. of everything. Um, like I've never been healed in a sense, you know? And so it was this constant binding and loosing, um, rebuking Satan. A lot of that went on. So yeah. that's basically it. I mean, uh, we went over the topics Jenny had um, during meetups. We just watched her lives. Um, it was just sitting in the living room with sisters and watching her, listening to her. We didn't have our Bibles out. Um, so I, I don't really know how to explain that, but <laughs> there was just a lot of Jenny. So she would, she would share a lot of her personal stories with you guys when, when she was talking about topics or, or ministering. Yeah. It just kind of went off it. She would go off, um, you know, the, the Lord saith and just God, she's speaking for God a lot. Um, how we always need deliverance and it's very, very good. I mean, it, it's captivating, um, in a sense, you know, sure. Very so sure. yeah. I hope that answers the question. No, it does. It does. And you know, I w Jenny has that, that personality about her that she's very charismatic. Um, uh, you know, and there are people that have that and there's nothing wrong with, with having that ability to talk to people and being personable and charismatic. Um, yes. so I can, under I can understand that. I can yeah. understand that. One of the things that you shared, and I'm going to actually, um, in the podcast, I'll have pictures, some screenshots of some of these things, or just the, the views of the, some of the things, the documents. But one of the things was a daily confession that you sent me. And I, it, some of this stuff, and I mean, I've seen some of this stuff before, or, you know, I used to participate in stuff like this, yeah. um, in, in the movement itself, like in the hyper-charismatic movement, NAR. Um, but daily confessions, because decrees and declarations are really looked about, looked upon as yes. powerful, that there's power in your, in your mouth and in, in your tongue, there's death and life and the power of the tongue. Uh, yeah. Proverbs 18 is misquoted quite a bit. That's not what that scripture means, by the way, I would encourage anybody listening to this podcast, please go <laughs> and, and do some scripture study and listen to Bob, solid Bible teachers um, on verses and read before and after. If you've heard my podcast before, you know that I say that ad nauseum. Please read the verses before and after. It's so important that we not just take someone's word for it. I mean, don't even take my word for it. You need to go back to the Bible and you need to, you need to be a good student. But you mentioned about the daily confessions. Um, and uh, there were some things that you sent me. I have a, a hard copy here that I printed out because I was reading it. I mean, some of the things that you sent me um, that, that some of the teachings was a spiritual warfare that seemed like dealing with the spirit of rejection, um, fasting. There were many different types of fast that she had listed in this. Um, it seemed like there was a lot of area for you to write in and then just a small little excerpt of those fastings, um, closing the back door to the devil. I'm going to read that in just a minute, like not all of it, but <laughs> there were some things in there that stood out to me. Um, the name of Jesus, uh, and, and that's, that uh, confirms what you were saying, that she recommended Jennifer LeClaire's book in that when talking about the name of Jesus, uh, the yes. signs that you were under a spiritual attack, steps to healing from rejection. I saw that document about the steps to healing from rejection, and it seemed very much like a formula when I looked at it. Um, 
very, very formulaic and, and a pattern of, well, you need to do this and then this and then this and then this, and, and then you'll be free of rejection. Yes. yes. Um, so I wanted to look at, this is from March 25th that you sent me from Spiritual Warfare and uh, Closing the Back Door. And I just want to share this with those who are listening. I mean, she's talking about the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, that's John 10, 10 that she's referencing. Again, do some Bible study on that. Um, and she said that usually if there's an attack, it's because there's an open door and possibly a back door from years ago. Um, so basically really teaching these women, um, and I know men and children are involved now. I know that she has like core kids and uh, different groups, core marriage and core teens and core singles. And she's going to be starting a core farm and she has a core revival tent and different groups now that it's, it's um, grown quite a bit. Um, but I noticed on this one page, and I just want to share this with you. And if you want to offer any thoughts, you can, um, but it's, she said here in the notes, the enemy will oppose the advancement of the kingdom. Once you start interceding, the enemy will come up in opposition against you, whether it's distractions, fatigue, to stop the assignment on your life, to stop what God has called you to do. And under what God has called you to do, it was, uh, indented and bulleted. Example, flags at church. It's not just flags at church. It's an assignment. This praise is breaking something open in the atmosphere. Um, God is sending you forth as Judah, a spiritual Judah. Uh, you're not just waving a flag. You're tearing down strongholds. Now, I want to ask you, were flags a big part? I know that the, I've, seen, I've seen videos. Were flags a big part when you were in it? Yes, huge. Like, um, huge. Um, I'm not naming names, um, but we did have a sister who made flags okay. and, uh, she partnered with Jenny, um, and became kind of the flag maker for the group. And we all ended up owning flags. I mean, I had like a whole set of like a lion of Judah flag. I've never had flags in my life. Um, and every time I started to worship, I used the flags. So that is accurate. Very accurate. What was her biblical, did she have a biblical text or biblical explanation that why you all use flags? Not that I remember, but I do uh, feel that she pressed on us that it, it was almost like waving our, our freedom. Like we're mm -hmm. free in worship, you know, it brings that sense of like, I'm, you know, like we're not restrained from lifting our hands. We're not restrained of dancing. And, and I believe that till this day that we should dance for the Lord and sing to the Lord and give him our heart, but not for performance. We do it because we love him and because he, you know, he's to be honored. And, um, but it, it kind of just felt performancey for me. So the flag thing, I just kind of secretly put it away for a little while because yeah. it just wasn't, it wasn't where my heart was. My heart was being on my face and just giving God my heart. Sometimes not even singing. Sometimes I needed to be quiet, you know, yeah. and the flag thing was a little too loud for me. <laughs> yeah. So it, so it sounds like that she really viewed it as spiritual warfare. Yes. It was your like, flags. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, so why couldn't they just wave flags over them and get delivered from demons? Good question, Don. <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here thinking about that. Born again Christians cannot have demons. Yeah, it's exactly right. Yes. <laughs> That, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amen to that. 
Amen. The sun sets free is free indeed. Yes, and we are. Amen. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Yes. Um, so uh, I don't worry about demons indwelling me. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the blood. Yes. Blood of Jesus. Yes. So um, she said, you're not just waving a flag. You are tearing down strongholds. And then indented under that said, now all of a sudden, there is all this opposition against you. Possibly the church board got together to ban flags. You have to be alert and aware of his tactics. Don't bury your head in the sand. It won't stop an attack. You can't hide from an attack. You can't just stop core or whatever, and it goes away. Why would you even want it to? You didn't get here because you were normal. You are not the core group because you were normal. You want deliverance. You want to go to another level with God. You are not satisfied with the way things were. You want to grow more. Stay the course. Now, I read that. Um, and I read on to the other side of the page where it said, God gave the core group, the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about this for just a minute, um, because she said the anointing will give you staying power, staying the course, rooted and grounded, unmovable, unshakable, not easily uprooted. The anointing is going to give you staying power after she's just told these, the, the ladies in this teaching, you know, yeah. if. It, it, I'll just tell from my perspective, you don't have to, you don't have to say anything to this unless you want to, but I'm just going to say this as an outsider. I'm perceiving something when I read it. And I think this almost sounds like you're making a decision between the church and the core. And mm -hmm. if your church says, well, you can't wave flags in the church and this is why, then it's almost like there's this undertone of, well, you don't want to leave the core. I mean, this yeah. is a, an attack of the enemy against you. So you're basically calling your pastor an enemy is yeah. what a, a woman could read into this. Um, that your, your church is the enemy because they are trying to bind you and they're not letting you do what you know and you think what God has told you to do. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I think that encourages rebellion. Yes. I think it encourages rebellion um, true biblical rebellion. Now looking back, I, it feels like it kind of tore me away from the church because mm. I was like, well, the core is my church. Basically Jenny's my pastor. She made it seem like the church was dead because they weren't, they're not doing the things that she's doing. And now being in a biblically sound church, I am seeing more fruit than I've ever seen in my life. I'm talking real brotherly sister fruit, people who are in the Lord, who know their word. I mean, I was around all these godly women, right? In the group, right, no one right. even knew the word. No, I mean, they would quote things, but it was out of context. Um, I remember I was, you know, with, with a few sisters and a, a scripture was quoted and I went back on it. It had nothing to do with what we were even talking about. Um, and I think that's why to keep us out of the church, it's like, she's saying there's no, there's no transformation going on there. Like it's just her group because she would say the core is the Lord's every day. She'd say that, but the church is the Lord's. We are the church. We're to love each other as Christ, right? I mean, we're not, it's division yeah. and it caused me to not want to go to church. And so mm -hmm. I remember telling my a family member, I don't need church. My church is on my laptop. I am the church. 
and I don't need to go to a building because they're all dead over there. They're not delivering. They're not doing all, all these things, right. That are biblical. Right. And so it gave me a bad taste. Even as a believer, I'm looking at other Christians and I'm passing by little churches and I'm like, they don't, they don't have the Holy spirit. Look at their church. It's small. It's not growing. Who am I? Who am I to say that? And so it almost kind of gave me a, a higher ego being in this group. Like I'm mm. special. It, it almost puts you on a pedestal. It makes yeah. you feel like you're somebody. I'm nobody. He is everything. Whatever gift I have is glory to him. I don't need to brag about it. You know, things like that. So, yeah. 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 yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. And one of the things, and I, and I can attest to this personally, one um, of the things that was painfully brought to my attention was my severe biblical illiteracy. Yes. I was biblically illiterate and I didn't think I was, I was so deceived because I thought I was a prophet. I'd been told I was a prophet. Um, and I just thought, well, I can just take, God will just give me a certain verse mm-hmm. and he will expound on it. He will prophetically expound on it and and give me revelation for it not realizing that is that is prophetic in it like scripture is prophetic in its very nature yes. because it testifies of Christ and i was not content with what scripture said it was always having to look for something else and and i was so sincere but i was i've said this before i mean i was sincerely in error i mean i was in sinful error because of the things I did to feel special. We want to, um, there is that part of us that wants to feel special, but Mm -hmm. it, it becomes, it can, it turns into this thing of being self, very man exalting, woman exalting, self exalting, as we'll see in just a minute. Um, but when she, she talked about, um, really quickly this at the end of this, she said that God gave the core group, the word of the Lord, and she referenced Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, because she said the, the anointing does multiple things. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. I don't know if she meant that, that the women needed to claim that, but that scripture is about Christ. Because Christ himself in Luke 4, 17 and 18, he read from the scroll of Isaiah and he told them, in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled and it was about him. So if she's ascribing that to those women, that is false teaching. That is, yes. that is misguided false teaching. And I'm not afraid to say that um, either. as Me someone either. who, who falsely guided other people with false teaching, that's false teaching. Yeah. Um Another thing she said too, real quick, she, she quoted Romans 8, 37 through 39, um, where it talks about, you know, for I'm not, I'm I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it went on to say, we are more than conquerors. We are able to conquer and able to go farther than that. We are called to take take the land, to have dominion here, to gain new territory, to subdue, to rule, and to reign. We are more than conquerors, only through Christ Jesus. We have the victory. It's already ours, even if we can't see it. Nothing can separate you from it or his love. God's love is enough to crush what the enemy throws at us. 
And my understanding when I've done some Bible study on that passage is that's that's Paul encouraging fellow believers in yes. their salvation and then their eternal security in Christ, yes. that there there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I think that's a far better message than uh, dominion theology, uh, which seems yes. like that's, that's what's being perpetuated there. So yes. I know there's a lot more teachings and I know that it's probably changed some, of course, since you've been in it. Um, yes. But I do know that there's a lot of online teaching and that in order to see it, you have to pay to be part of that. So yes. Based on some of the things that you sent me, I know it's just like a kind of like a highlight reel. Um, and I want to be object. I want to be fair and objective with this. But based on the time that you were in it and even some of the other women that you've talked to um, and what you witnessed, um, would you say that there is a strong focus on spiritual warfare and the demonic in this group? Absolutely. Um, that is the main focus. Um constantly, like I said earlier, binding and loosing, um, demonic, you know, deliverance, you need deliverance from things you watch or things you've thought or things you've said in the past, even like far in the past, things you've done, um, uh, witchcraft, witchcraft was really big. Everything had witchcraft. Um, but it was, it was very heavy on the spiritual warfare deliverance. Um, we spiritualized everything. Um, everything had a demon. I mean, even just as, you know, if I was having a bad day, I started anointing my home because I thought there was a demon in my home and somehow I let a demon in. I had to reflect on, did I say something? Did I do something? And so it was constantly, uh, it was exhausting, Dawn. It was exhausting, um, because it felt like I could never win. It just felt like, the war would never end. And I started to ask, why isn't the blood covering me enough? If, if all these demons are coming in my home, how is the blood so sufficient over my life, over me being free? And, and the thing is, is I feel that when we over-spiritualize everything, it almost made Satan stronger than the blood right? Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Um, it, it was just exhausting. I was spiritually exhausted. My house had oil all over it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my family can attest to that. I remember I was staying with a family member and I had oil all over the walls because I, I thought there were demons in their house because I had a bad dream or I had demonic dreams, right? Yeah. And, um, during this time in the movement, I had a lot of demonic dreams. I'm, I don't have them anymore. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a demonic dream for over a year. And in this, this movement that I was in, I was being attacked by these ugly demons in my, in my nightmares all the time. And it was almost like I was a, I was picking fights that I did not need to pick. Yeah. It, it was just constant battle every day, every day trying to figure out, like I said, what did I do wrong? How did this demon get in my house? And I'd just be rebuking all the time. And my husband, I remember him sitting there one time and he was just looking at me and he's like, aren't you tired? You know, he was never in agreement with me when I was in this movement. And I didn't care because I felt that submission to my husband 
um, wasn't, I wasn't being told to submit to my husband. So it wasn't a priority. It wasn't there. That's the word. I, you guys, I'm pregnant. I apologize. I'm dealing with (laughs) some mom brain. Um, you know, I was to be submitted to Christ, but I'm to be, I'm supposed to be submitted to my husband too. And when my husband's telling me, Hey, this is kind of off. This is off, honey. I was like, you got a demon. You need deliverance. You're keeping me from this group because you have issues. (laughs) And that's how I saw it. I did not respect my husband. My marriage was actually doing way worse during this time than it is. Um, Listen, ladies, if you're in this group and your husband's telling you to get out, please listen, listen and pray. Yeah. 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 You can't have a teaching, um, and telling, telling women to submit to their husbands. And then when your husband tells you, I'm not in agreement with you being a part of, for example, for this, this group. And then you say, well, my husband has a demon and he, I mean, that's (laughs) double-minded. That is a double-minded way to think. Um, aside from the, the core group, even in this movement, there is a heavy emphasis on the demonic. And yeah. um, I think you explained it really well. It's very exhausting. It's very tiring. I've, I've talked to many people that have come out of this and they've said, I felt like I was on a hamster wheel. I mean, it was just, it, it was exhausting. I never felt like I had any peace. I was always trying to wage war. And unfortunately, Satan has been made the equal, like the antithesis or the opposite to God yeah. um, when he's not. Uh, he's a created being and he's, he's not even, he can't even come close to God. God is the supreme ultimate authority. He is preeminent. Um, and he's above all things. And so, um, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's, it's very helpful and it, it, it helped, I think it'll help other women to understand that, you know, there is biblical spiritual warfare. We don't want to negate the fact that there's biblical spiritual warfare, but scripture lays it out plainly for us in what that looks like. It's submitting to God. It's um, resisting. It's, it's um, killing sin that by the Holy spirit, Romans 8, 13, um, that we are uh, put, we're putting on the armor of God. And when we understand what that means, um, Jim Osmond's book, by the way, truth or territory, that's an excellent book to read about biblical spiritual warfare. Um, But the armor of God is really pointing back to Christ it came to remembrance for me. Um, you know, the, the situation with Peter came up a lot, you know, um, we would talk about how Jesus rebuked Peter Mm. and that was used as spiritual, like deliverance in a sense, but that's not what was happening. Right. Peter didn't have a demon in him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just the scriptures were taken out of context a lot. Um, but I remember the Peter thing and the, and the rebuking, um, I mean, we, we all fall short of God's glory. We all mess up. We're never going to, we're not going to, like you said, we are saints and we are sinners at the same time. We're never going to, we're not always going to make the mark. Right. And so, um, when you were talking, I just remembered that Peter, that, that situation was talked about a lot and it was taken out of context. Peter was not possessed by a demon. Yeah. And we look at the Lord, he didn't rebuke Satan when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He, he used the word of God and the enemy fleed. That's how simple this is. It's, it's, they've made it this deliverance ministry stuff. They've made it so hard. 
And it's so simple. We are not to fight our own battles. We are to lay our burdens at the feet of Jesus. He, he wants us to cast our cares and burdens upon him. We were not meant to carry this stuff. We're not meant for dominion. He already has dominion. He's the authority. So that's, that's my journey right now is I'm, I'm very stubborn, right? I'm very stubborn because of this movement. And now I'm like, no, Lord, you already have this situated. You already have this fixed. Like you, you're going to do what you need to do. You're the Lord. And I'm learning to lay my burdens down and stop trying to be this authority over my own life. I'm I have no authority. He is my authority. You know, uh, one of the things you'd notice when you were in it, that there was a teaching that went on about the book of Esther mm-hmm. and that, uh, that there was like, I guess the rise of the Esters. I don't know. Um, so something <laughs> along that lines, uh, um, Esther's arise basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So now it's the Deborah's arise. So now so there's a documentary that just came out. said so the rise of the Deborah's and, um, it's an emphasis on women today, uh, mm-hmm. rising up as Deborah's. And I've watched, I did watch the documentary. Um, I've watched it twice and took some notes along the way. And near the end is when Jenny starts to minister. There were some interesting things that happened. Um, she was, uh, walking around holding up a painting of Jesus while they were worshiping. And there was a, during this time of the Esther's teaching, there was a big thing about prayer closets, um, our war room. Yeah. And so we all felt kind of pressured to have a war room, to have a prayer closet. And, you know, um, I don't have much, you know, um, I am given what I need and the Lord has blessed me, but I made this little corner because I didn't have my own closet. (laughs) this nice closet I can walk into or room. Um, so, you know, we were, we were told that, Hey, you should have a prayer closet or a war room. Right. And so I had this little corner, I had scriptures all over the wall. Um, and then, you know, um, Jenny would do lives and she would start showing us the paintings that she wanted to put up in her room. And so she was kind of like renovating her own little area. Hmm. And there, this, during this time, um, I never liked paintings of Jesus. Um, even as an unbeliever, it just never sat right with me. Um, I was just taught not to have those things right? Um, because they're idols and we're hmm. not to look up at other things other than the Lord and uh, worship him in spirit and truth. Right. And we don't even know what he looked like. We don't I mean, know we, what he looks like. We know that he was, um, that he was Jewish and that he was, um, yes. and that he was Middle Eastern, but we don't know what he looked like. And I know some people will come at the the second commandment and they will say, mm-hmm. you're not even, you're not to make any graven images. And that includes of Jesus yeah. because that yeah. can lead to idolatry. Well, that can be a whole different person. I mean, right. um, and so, you know, she had all these paintings up and it was during a live. And I remember this live specifically because a lot of sisters were angry. Um, that she had this painting of Jesus, Jesus. Um, And it was, it was very bold. It was very colorful. And she had all these different pictures. um, And she kind of went off on us, you know, and was like, you're, you know, don't act religious. Like, I like abstract art, basically, like, this is just art. And a lot of sisters were bothered because a lot of people come out of the Catholic background, they come out of these these religions that have idols. And so 
she, she kind of like ignored people's offenses. And that bothered me because we should be sensitive to other people. That's like, you know, an alcoholic being around someone who's drinking a beer, you know, like you can't do that. You, you it's wrong. Right. And yeah. so it's yeah. tempting. It's, it can aggravate somebody. And there were a lot of people becoming angry that there was that painting on her wall and she did not care. She didn't care. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, this is not right. This is not right. Cause these are hurting sisters. I mean, clearly they're, they're offended by this painting. And um, so, yeah, I thought I'd share that. But that's interesting. Closets, yeah. We're really big during the Esther, the Esther teachings. Okay. Well, I know yeah. with the, with the rise of the Deborah's that she's been focusing on um, there's one particular verse in, in uh, Judges 4 that she, or Judges 5, when uh, Deborah's singing, and she keeps focusing on that, um, that the villagers, in verse 7, the villagers ceased in Israel, they ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Um, and I've, I've heard her minister on this. I mean, she talks about um, the, the fact that, you know, Deborah was powerful. She was a prophetess. She was a judge. She sat under the palm trees and the people came to her. Um, what I don't hear her say um, is going to Judges 2. And I wanted to, to touch on that for just a minute because uh, the book of Judges helps us to see the bad situation that mm -hmm. the Israelites were in. And it was of their own doing because yes. they disobeyed God. And so God gave them judges yeah. and, it, and, and it, this was the reason why. So in verse 11, it said, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. So they served for the uh, Baals, uh, the, the gods, Lord, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger and they abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. The Lord gave them over yep. to them. So I, and I've heard yep. her say too, um, well, why do you think the enemy's coming in? The enemy's coming in and he's doing it. Well, no, no, no. Wait, hold on a second. Like, even when we go back to into Judges 4, we'll see the Lord gave Israel over to, to these enemies. Yes. And this was why, because they were idolatrous and they were sinning against God. And they, uh, the word says they abandoned God. Mm -hmm. They abandoned what he told them to do. And then when you go into verses 16 through 23, it's in a chapter two, it says the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord and they did not do so. And, and whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways and the Lord and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. So I think what this does is this really highlights um, the anger of God, the sin of man, man is not. And women, I mean, yes, we have value as human beings, 
But unfortunately, when you have a teaching like this, that you're Deborah, um, you're Esther, you're David, you're Joseph, you're all these people in scripture um, and, and missing the forest for the trees that the Old Testament has types and shadows in it that are always pointing to Christ. Yeah. Always pointing to Christ. Yes. And, and what we're seeing here is we're not, yes, Deborah was as, as a judge. And there's some Bible scholars that honestly believe that, that Deborah may have been appointed as a judge as for judgment against Israel, because women were not supposed to be in mm. leadership positions. And let me just say this too, just because Deborah was a judge, we cannot take a descriptive passage that his is that's historical Yes. and descriptive and turn it into a prescriptive life applicating passage and say, well, because Deborah was a prophet and Deborah was a judge, that means that women can be pastors today. And that also means that women can, uh, can lead men. And that means that women can, and cause I've heard, and I, I'll just say this. So I've heard yeah. Jenny say this and make these, these straw man arguments of saying, well, you know, you're telling women that they can't minister. Well, no, we can minister, but scripture has set boundaries for a reason. Yes. Absolutely. And if we have a problem with scripture, then we have a problem with what God has established. And again, that's rebellion. Yes. Um, so I wanted to mention that for any ladies that may be watching this. And if you get mad at me, then you're, then I love you, but you can get mad at me. It's okay. But I love you enough to guide you back to the word of God and to tell you, look at judges two in context. Because there's a reason why judges were appointed, regardless man or woman. Um, but again, there are some Bible scholars that believe that that Deborah was there because it was judgment on Israel, and Barak did not have enough faith in God to trust him that God would be with him in battle. So he wanted Deborah to go with him. So again, that's not an that's not an honorable thing to look at either. So what can we glean from from judges in general and and this? Um, the point is, is that we're to be God-centered, Christ-centered, not self-centered. And when you tell people, oh, just find yourself in the, just find yourself, let the Bible read you. You sent me something. Oh, let the Bible read you. Well, yeah. if you want to find yourself in scripture, then you need not look any further than to the, the Israelites that are shaking in their boots against the Philistines, then Peter, who told Jesus that he, that he couldn't go to the cross. Uh, when you see Paul on the road to Damascus with the scales on his eyes, the spiritual scales, and that he's persecuting people. I mean, you look no further than those that are in sin and in need of a savior. And the whole book of Judges is to show there is a greater one that's coming that brings justice and righteousness. Yes. And he is the deliverer. I mean, over and over, you see these judges that are delivering the people. God heard the cries of the people and he had pity and he had compassion because God is, a, is loving, but he's also just at the same time. And he, so he, he gave him a judge and there was peace. And, and I've heard Jenny mentioned too, in, in um, Judges 5, well, there was peace for 40 years. Yeah. And that did not last because mm -hmm. guess what the Israelites did? They went right back to their yep. sin yes. of idolatry against God. And so here we go again about this whole, this whole cycle <laughs> all over again yeah. of sin. 
And yeah. it's all to point back to there is a greater one that will come that will deliver you. He will, and this Christ, he is the deliver. He will deliver you. And he's yeah. a just judge. Um, if we would only be so content with finding Christ in scripture rather than finding ourselves. And let me help any ladies. You're not Deborah. You're not Deborah. You're not Esther. You're not any, you're not any of them. You are, you are a, um, a sinner in need of salvation. If you don't know Christ and that, and when you're born again, there is still that sinful nature that you have to contend with. And you are a new creation in Christ and the Holy spirit dwells within you when you're born again. And he helps you and he leads you and he guides you into all truth. And you have the word of God to help you. That is like a lamp to your feet. Yes. And there has to be contentment with that. Um, if we don't, then we're always trying to find ourselves in the word of God. Then, yeah. then we, then we begin to focus on ourselves and then we're going inward. And then we're trying to look for demons around every corner. And then we're trying to figure out what's going on and why can't I be free? And why can't I have peace? And, um, and I've said yeah. this, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and you're not a Jezebel. You. You're not a Jezebel. Yes. Um, because you're questioning, you're not a Jezebel because yeah. you're concerned um, Jezebel was a real person, uh, mm -hmm. in the word. And I will say, um, going back to what you were saying, it is so freeing to read the word of God and see Christ only and not myself. Yeah. It, it's so freeing. I, I'm obsessed with the word now because I was picking and choosing what fits for me, what fits my life. How does this relate to my situation? Or it was all about me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm being quite honest here. I, I'm looking back and it was a little narcissistic, little narcissistic, Don. Um, yeah. And I've had to repent of that. We're, if we're looking at anybody else or anything else while we're reading the word besides Christ, we're not reading the word correctly. We are in error. It's, it's about, it's him we're to look at in the, in the scriptures, not us, you know? Amen. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. So um, I wanted to ask you, so I know that you said there was a lot of focus on the spiritual warfare aspect. I'm, I'm curious. Um, the gospel is foundational. We know as believers, the gospel is foundational to biblical Christianity, to our walk with the Lord. I'm curious to know if the gospel was ever ministered in that group. And if it was, how was it, ex how was it expressed and, or saying that, that this is the gospel? Um, I don't think the gospel, and I can say this confidently, I don't think it was presented the way that it was when I got saved. Um, you know, it was very down the line, like, you know, Jesus came, you know, he suffered for me, he died on the cross. I don't think that and, res and was resurrected, like that, that wasn't really talked about in the not say that he didn't have the authority or, you know, he didn't die on the cross and things like that. It just wasn't talked about the gospel wasn't like talked about the way that, um, a church would present the gospel. It was in a different manner, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when she, if there was any mention about the gospel, um, was there any emphasis on like signs and wonders and yeah. casting out demons and things like that was, that was understood that that was the gospel or part of the gospel? Um, it, it was just most of everything we were talking about. Um, 
there was no there was no sense of repentance either um to be born again we're to repent on a daily basis we're to examine ourselves on a daily basis um and so i like i said you know it was very spiritualized like everything needed deliverance but i don't remember people being born again mm. and being asked are you born again you cannot enter heaven if you are not born again that word wasn't used very often, which is a very important, I mean, that is the only way you're going to get to heaven. That's, you're not going to get to heaven because you speak in tongues or because you have some kind of gift. You right. can't get there if you're not born again. And that wasn't, that wasn't emphasized. Were you ever part of, I just happened to think about this. Were you ever part of any of the water baptisms? Never. The, uh, the Lord pulled me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, before any of that stuff happened. Um, well, praise the Lord for that, because that, that has really disturbed me quite honestly to see that. Um, yeah. Um, I had a few sisters, um, kind of mentioned that they needed to be baptized again because they didn't think the first time was, uh, real. And I, I did not receive that. I got baptized when I was 20 years old. I was three years in my walk with the Lord and my husband and I got baptized at the beach and, um, because I was ready. I was being discipled. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to follow Christ for the rest of my life. It, it is a self, like you have to proclaim that at some point, I believe in baptism. It's very yeah. important. Yes. Um, but yeah, the Lord did pull me out before all that stuff went down, uh, like mandatory deliverances and things like that. Uh, praise God for that. Um, but people did want to be rebaptized because they did not think the first time was significant which it is, it was, I mean, if their heart was right in, in that time, right. Yeah. If they weren't a true believer, I can understand wanting to be rebaptized, but yes. um, wanting yes. some sort of experience or an encounter exactly. or the first time didn't take, I, I think that that, that helps us to understand that there, there's a poor understanding of what water baptism really means. I mean, Romans six yeah. is a great passage to look at, to understand Roman uh, water baptism um, because mm -hmm. yeah. we're buried with Christ and we're, we're raised with Christ. And so the water baptism helps us to understand that. And I've just seen some things. It's not just in Jenny, in the core group, but yeah. I've seen things with water baptism that are done that are even with people being, having deliverance done when they come out of a water baptism. And it, it just, um, we don't see that modeled in scripture and, and that seems to negate what Christ has done. Um, Yeah. Water baptism is representing that you're, you're a new person yeah, in Christ. Yeah. It makes me kind of sad, you know, because it was like, con it's like a lot of these people in these ministries, they're constantly chasing this feeling. Yeah. And it's almost like an addiction. Like if you're not feeling this, if you're not in prayer and you're not getting chills and you're not feeling something in the room, you're not doing it right. And so, like you said, you know, when, when people get baptized, they, they want to feel that experience. We're not to go by feelings, right? I the just, word, the, the chasing, the feelings, the hype, the experience was really big for me. And I felt almost like I was failing God during prayer and certain things that I was performing during these times because I wasn't feeling him. I would even so much go so far, Don, where I would set up my room for my room for him. 
like welcoming him in the room. And there was a lot of that welcome the Lord in the room, the, you know, the Lord of hosts, like welcome him in the room. I would light candles. I would clean before prayer time. And I wanted to make sure that I was presentable to the Lord. Um, because that was really big. You know, a lot of the times it was said that the Lord is in the room. People would fall. He's here as if he was like in the flesh here. So, and it made me feel a lot of times like I wasn't saved because I wasn't experiencing what everyone else was experiencing. Right. And that was, that's not the truth. That's a lie. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It, It can be very tempting to rely back on our experiences and our feelings. And that's what we use. Um, a lot of times to validate and say, well, that's how I know that God's real because I felt this or this happened, or that's how I know that I'm really spiritual and really close to God. Um, And it, it really does set up this, um, it it sets up this class of Christians because what about those that never feel that? Um, Does that make them less than, does that make them not born again? Does that make them not as significant to to God if that's the view that someone has about significance and again yeah. it it gets the focus off of Christ um yes. sufficiency of Christ and and um and our sufficiency that we have in him of in every area of our life yes and the I, music we always have music on I had music on all the time prophetic worship yeah. um because if I wasn't feeling I had to get the feelings going with the music and you know, start singing the scriptures. And I believe in, you know, praying the scriptures. I believe that I do that till this day. Um, But I was singing the scriptures and it's like, I had to catch this feeling. The atmosphere had to change to be in the presence of God. And it, it was so, it was so overwhelming. It was exhausting. That's the, that's the word of this podcast, exhausting. Yeah. And, and he, and he needs our help, doesn't he? Because obviously he can't come unless we set the atmosphere, right? So th- this whole, and I, and I say that facetiously, but I, I was one that also believed that, like I, I did that. Um, and, and it's such a low view of God it is. because then it puts God at my mercy Mm-hmm. And at your mercy and at Jenny's mercy and other people's mercy. And God is not big enough to do what he wants to do. He's not sovereign. He's, he's not able to do what he, he needs to do because he needs us. Um, yes. And then that's when we've created a God in our own imagination. Um, yeah. And even inviting the Holy Spirit. Um, my, when I first started going to this biblical church, someone said to me, stop inviting the Holy Spirit. He's already in you. And I was like, how dare you say that? How dare, you know, going to a biblically sound church at first was really hard Um, because hearing this stuff was like, man, you need some like help. You know, you're saying the wrong things here. You know, we sing songs, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We we sing all these songs, right? If you are born again, he's already in you. He's already dwelling in your home. You don't need to invite him. And it's, it's just about the feelings. It's all the feelings. And when we know that we walk with Christ every day, he's in us every day, that changes just even the simplest thought patterns that we thought 
could never like be changed, you know? And I don't invite him anymore. I thank him for being my Lord and savior and for giving me the Holy spirit to help me. The Holy spirit is our helper. If and you don't mind just sharing a little bit that obviously you're not part of this group anymore. Um, and you're not one of the overseers, um, in the, in the state that you were in. So tell us what happened that led up to you leaving the group. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was on, I don't know what day it was, but um, Agnes Obedi was doing live prayer. Um, she was considered a prophetess in our group. Um, and she would do morning prayers, um, afternoon prayers sometimes. And um, it was just a normal thing for me to watch. You know, I would watch it all the time. It became a regular thing. Um, and this, this specific week, um, we were given this book, um, was called the prophetic voice of God. Um, and there were just things in there that I, I didn't agree with. So I was already questioning like what I was reading. Um, so going into this live prayer, I was just feeling uneasy. Um, and she started kind of just going on like she did about, you know, sowing scriptures and sowing a certain amount. So like, if you want to sow like an Isaiah 11, 19 or something, I'm just going off. Um, you know, so that amount of money, you know, so that scripture and you'll get that blessing or mm -hmm. something like that. And so a lot of sisters on here may know actually the live I'm talking about, because it was, for some reason, it was very uh, specific for a lot of us. Like that's that specific day. It was just a little off. She didn't do that stuff often. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, so the scripture and, um, then she started to say to prophesy over like, you know, debts and your car debts and your, all this stuff. So here I am like in agreement and I go and grab my car keys and I walk into the kitchen. Um, my live was there, her live was in the kitchen and I have my car keys and I'm like prophesying that my car is going to be paid off and just like, I'm just going off and I'm praying in tongues and all this stuff. And, um, um, in the middle of that, um, sorry, I felt the Holy spirit come over me so strong and convict me. Like it was like, I was completely naked before God and I knew I was in sin. Mm. And I felt in my spirit that the Holy Spirit was showing me that this is new age practices. I fell to my knees. I repented immediately. I was sobbing in tears during this live. And she's just continuing to go. And I felt, I couldn't even listen to her. I felt like vomiting. Sorry. You're okay. The conviction I felt was so real and heavy. And I find it interesting that it brought me to repentance. It brought me to, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought God wanted my car paid off and all these things done. I was praying over the neighborhood. I was doing all this stuff. And I was brought to my knees because I was shown that I was not doing what he wanted me to do. And so I repented and um, 
I, I started to kind of like withdraw from the group and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to leave. I didn't know how to leave this group because I was so attached. I had a lot of, I had a lot of sisters that I considered very close. Um, and that was the day I left or that was the day I decided to leave when I felt that conviction. And um, the Lord showed me that Agnes was a false teacher. So how, how was that, um, how was that received when you left the group? Um, it's been a year and this is still hard because it was very, it hurt. Um, it was not received well. Um, I was basically told I have a deceiving demon and that I don't have the Holy Spirit. And that hurt yeah. because I looked up to this person as a spiritual mother and I thought I was loved by this group and I was shunned. Well, I mean, that's, that's basically what happened. I was shunned. The next morning I woke up, I had over 500 sisters deleted me. Really? Yes. And then a sister came to me and said that Jezebel was taught right after I left. So it, it was not taken well. And the way I was spoken to was not the way that a teacher should speak to the flock. It was discouraging. I left confused. I left. Did I do the right thing? Did right. I come right. against the anointed one? Yeah. You know, yeah. I was so, I was so brainwashed thinking that I had lost my covering. Yeah. And that wasn't the case, but I was so involved in this spiritually and mentally that I literally thought that I was not saved anymore. And then I met you <laughs> and you helped me. Well, I'm, I'm very thankful, um, to, to met you and I'm thankful that God would even allow me to be able to help. Um, I'm so emotional. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. When I saw you, um, on Doreen's, Doreen's, uh, podcast, uh, on her YouTube channel, sorry. And you were talking about Ryan. I related so much because there's a lot of tie to Ryan's in this group. Right. And I just, I had to, I had to reach out if any, no one knows this, but I had to get to Don Hill. I had to write her and tell her I'm suffering. I can't do this. I don't want to go astray. I don't want to leave the faith, you know, because I'm ultimately a Christian because of Christ and what he's done in my life. And I'm not going to discount what he's done in my life and, and throw it all away because of one church hurt and church hurt is real. And people leave the church because of church hurt, right? So I had to get to you and I had to, I had to get to you and just get to know you because I needed discipleship and if anyone is like wanting to leave. You have to have discipleship. You have to have a biblically sound church, or you're just going to continue yeah. to fall into these movements because they're everywhere. They're in every corner of America right now. Every corner. Yeah. 
Um, I remember the day that you actually reached out to me and that uh, I think it was either that day or the next day that I actually, we talked on the phone and we talked for about, I, I think it was maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, just talking and listening to what you had to say. I've talked to some of these women that are coming out of this movement. Um, I've had women email and, and I've talked to some women on the phone and I've learned that sometimes I, in those conversations that I just need to sit and listen um, because these women have not been heard and they need someone, they just need to get, they just need to get it out and try to process it for one thing. And it's a lot to process and you're not going to process it all on a, on a phone call, but yeah. it's a start and it helps you. And my goal, whenever I talk to women via email or phone, I, I'm sharing the gospel because I remember I talked yep, to you. You did. Because <laughs> that you was did. one of the things I was so set on was these women must, I have to make sure, even if they're saved and I, and even if I offend someone, they say, well, I am saved. No, I, I must know that you've heard the gospel in our conversation. And yeah. then to help guide you in a certain direction, because I know I'm not the be all end all. And I know I don't have all the answers, but God has graced me in the ability to be able to help other women that are coming out of this and to help try to process it and make some sense of the chaos. Yeah. Um, and then to try to pick up the pieces and trust Christ and know that there are good, solid churches out there. There are good pastors that care about the flock and they want to protect the flock and they want to help. Yeah. Um, so yeah. they are out there. Um, and I'm just so thankful that you're out of this and I'm sorry that you had to go through the things that you went through. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank and I also know that God uses even the hard things that we go through, even when we make, and I want to say this too. And I know I told you this yesterday, yeah. this is not to say, Oh, these leaders are all the big bad wolf. Yes, they are wolves, and I and I'll just be frank in that. There's wolves in in this movement, um, but we also recognize our own sin and our own error in in our own choice of being deceived. Yes, um, and God gives people over to their desires, to their deception, um, yeah. and and I I believe that, uh, yeah. and I also know that God is gracious and merciful to open our eyes. And to help us to see, and it's only by his grace and his mercy that he helps us to see the truth yes. Um, yes. and to come out of that. So I'm very thankful that you came out. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't blame anybody. I send love and prayers to Jenny. I send prayers and love to the core sisters. Um, I'm not here to slander or gossip. I was involved by my own biblical illiteracy. Like I didn't know the word as yeah. best as I should have. Um, and we are to test the spirit behind things. We are to test every single thing that we're listening to by God's word. If you don't have your word out and you're not looking at the scriptures while your pastor or whoever is teaching, that's dangerous. Yeah. That's dangerous because it'll sound, it's a little bit of scripture and then it's a little bit of you know, new age and deliverance and like all this stuff. Right. And so we have to look at scripture. Scripture is the foundation of our faith. It, that is the most important thing is to look at scripture. And I got caught up in something because 
I was not doing my part as a follower of Jesus. And I take full responsibility for that. And I'm grateful for the conviction the Holy Spirit gave me. I'm grateful for that conviction because every day I, I repent and I'm, and I'm reminded, like you said the other day, you're reminded that you need Christ even in the smallest situations of your day. And you're yeah, reminded yeah. that you're not, you're not perfect. You're not meeting the mark. We never will. We need him. And, you know, they, I mean, thank God for spiritual warfare in the moment. It's horrible. We don't want to go through it, but there's always, it's for a purpose, Yeah. you know, and it, it's always to glorify God. Yeah. And it sanctifies us. Yeah. I mean, people don't like that, like true spiritual warfare, but when you look at what goes on and even the things that whether we, um, whether God is disciplining and scripture supports this, that God disciplines his children. He disciplines yeah. because he chastises those that he loves. There can be times that we make sinful choices and um, yes, God is gracious and he's merciful, but we also live in a fallen world where a lot of times there are consequences to our sin and then the sins of others. You know, we're, we can suffer because of the sins of others, the evil and the wickedness that goes on. Um, there's consequences to sin and there's times that God disciplines us. Um, and in those moments where people are rebuking Satan, they may not realize that they're actually being disciplined by God. And if it's in whatever moment it's in, I mean, I think it's wise for us to look and say, God, whether it's because of my sin that I've committed and you're disciplining me, or this is truly an attack um, of the enemy, God, use it for your glory sanctify yeah. me to where I draw closer to you and I am conformed into your image. Um, whether it, I need more patience or more compassion or something in me needs to be killed, like sin wise, yeah. whatever it is, God, that you would be glorified in yeah. this. and I would be sanctified in this for your glory. Mm -hmm. Um, I think about how the old me was, and I, and I think there's some ways that even how I pray now and, and such that is just, it it's there is so much peace yes. um, now whereas I thought I was so powerful and it and it had, had such peace but really I was so deceived yeah um, because of the biblical illiteracy the the delusion that I was under the deception the teaching that I was under if you were to talk to a, a woman um, or a couple that was wanting to join this group, or you could talk to some of the women that are in it, what would you say to them? I would say that find a biblical, find a church that, that reads the word that is expository, you know, find a church first and get discipled there. Um, there's real discipleship churches that care about their flock and you don't need um, all this hype to get close to God. You don't need all this extra stuff to get close to God. There's no, uh, secret ingredient. Um, it's all in the word. We know God through the word. Um, prophecy is in the word. Um, we don't need people to speak over us and, 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 you know, speak in tongues and, you know, do these things. It's not, it's not necessary. Um, we do have gifts. The Lord gives each of us individual gifts. Um, and I believe it's to edify and build up the church, um, mm -hmm. but not our, not within our own selves. So 
if you're wanting to go into this group, I would say, really think about it. I wouldn't say pray about it because I do not think that this group, um, is of the Lord. And, um, I may get <laughs> backlash for that. Um, but seeing a biblical church, um, uh, comparing the two, um, it's not, it's not of God and we should, um, you know, uh, Don helped me with an NAR, um, people who are leaving the NAR, they have a church finder, um, Costi Hens, uh, page. There are hundreds of churches in your, your neighborhood, your area where they're teaching the word of God faithfully. Um, we should have teachers that are teaching us faithfully and yeah. not, not creating their own gospel. If anyone is preaching another gospel, they're going to be cursed. We have to get that right. We can't get that wrong. So if they're, if you're, this core group is teaching another gospel in my eyes, in my eyes now that I'm, that I've left. And, um, it's sad to say that, but please do not join, find yourself a biblically sound church, a pastor who's going to care for you and counsel you and, and find a church that, that, you know, um, has people bearing fruit and who are doing the same thing, who are discipling, who are, you know, loving the flock. And that's what I would say. Just find, find a, find another place to go. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, you know, I think one thing too, um, that some people may push back and say, well, you know, it, it continues to grow. And so God must be blessing it. And, and oh, I think I, I asked you that when I first came to you, I, I asked you, well, what about Joel Steen's church and all that? Yeah. It's growing. Yeah. And I think, um, I have a couple of thoughts on that um, before we close out our time. But, you know, for one thing, uh, numbers mean nothing. Um, and this movement, the charismatic movement, and and I know not all charismatics are hyper charismatic. So I don't make that. I don't lump everybody in and say, well, all yeah. charismatics are crazy and they're all kooky and they all believe all because they don't. Yeah. There's some charismatics that. Um, are I would consider brothers and sisters in Christ and they're very sound and, and biblical and we may disagree on like secondary issues and tertiary yeah. issues and things but they're brothers and sisters in Christ they yeah. would they would denounce a lot of this stuff that's in in the NAR and the hyper charismatic mm -hmm. and they would say no we we do not do the, those things that you're talking about yes. the numbers mean nothing and I've heard people boast in this movement well we have the bigger churches we have the better music where we have the more anointing, you know, we have all this fruit. Well, Mormons could claim that. Jehovah's Witnesses could claim that. Islam can claim that. Um, Christian Scientology could claim. I mean, there are many groups that they mm. could say, well, look how God's blessing us. Our numbers are huge. Numbers mean nothing. Uh, Jesus talks in, in Matthew 7, and it's in verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Mm -hmm. And that is talking about eternal life. And that's talking about Jesus is making the distinction. There are two ways there. And there is a narrow gate and there, there is a broad gate. And our minds can be so tempted to think, well, there's many people 
in the, on the, on this path. Yeah. And I must yeah. be going the, I must be going the right way because I, there's so many people on here and they yeah. look so anointed and so powerful. And I would just say this is that don't fall into that trap because please go back to what scripture said and remember what Christ said, narrow is the gate. Yes. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Just because people boast of big numbers does not mean that God is blessing it. Um, that has his stamp of approval on it. Yeah. You know, I'm even thinking too, like when I, when I left the way I was shunned, you know, the numbers don't matter how we, how we represent Christ matters. And that was not Christ-like. I was treated like I, like I was nothing. I mean, we're not in gangs here, you know? Um, when someone leaves a church, you don't, you don't shun them. You don't treat them that way. And so we can have all the numbers we want, but if we're not bearing fruit, whatever fruit we're bearing, it has to line up with fruit that the Holy spirit is bearing in us. And if we're not bearing that fruit, it makes me question. Yeah. Are, are these people born again? You know, would Christ, would Christ shun us that way? He's not that way. That's not his character. And, and it's, uh, it's interesting when you were saying that, and I just had come across that, like the numbers don't matter. What matters is, are these people truly living out the life Christ has called them to live out? Yeah. Or is it just performance? Right. Yeah. We're to be known by our fruit. Yeah. Yeah. We're to be known by our fruit. And and, and it's biblical to test the fruit of yes. everyone. No one is off limits. And I, and I include myself in that. I mean, no one is yeah. off limits from being tested. Nobody. Nobody. Um, before we leave today, I, I just want to say a couple of things um, to those that have left and are afraid. If you're watching this and, and you've left this group and you're afraid to say anything um, or you can't say anything publicly for, for different reasons. Um, there may be circumstances that are preventing you from saying anything publicly. Um, I want to encourage you that if you have not already, you need to find a a Bible teaching church and they're out there. They may be hard to find, um, but they're, they're out there. Um, and you need to seek counsel from church leadership about what you've been involved in. Um, don't isolate yourself. You, you need to get, um, assistance. You need to get some sort of counseling, whether it's pastoral counseling, or if you're dealing with, with issues that are far beyond, um, that are more serious in nature about thoughts you're having or anything like that, then you really may even need some biblical counseling, some solid Christian counseling. Um, and, uh, if you have trouble finding a solid church, Um, I do have, I can post it in the link to the description in this podcast. I have a resource page that is specifically for those that have come out of this movement. It's a post in our resource page that I have compiled things and I continue to add things to it, but I have um, some church finders on there, some church finder links. Um, There's a women's support group that I actually help co-lead. It's free by the way. Um, You don't have to pay to be a part of it. But nope. it's just, it's a very laid back group um, that you, basically we're there. We meet once a month 
um, on Zoom calls to try to, to talk to different women that have come out of this movement and really just provide support and prayer. I mean, it's as simple as that. And we may cover a topic that may be pertinent that some of the ladies want to talk about and get some more biblical understanding on it. Um, but that's really what it is. It's a very simple um, support group to try to help, just try to help offer some some assistance to, to other women saying you're not alone because you come out of this and you, there are so many emotions that you go through and it is overwhelming and you feel alone. You feel alone. Like that nobody can relate to what you're going through. And I think that we have to remember Christ knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows what it feels like to, um, to, to be treated and mocked and persecuted far beyond what we could ever comprehend. Um, so we do have that, but you can feel free to check out that resource page. There's videos on there that may be of help on certain topics. If it may help just to shed some light on some things, there's book recommendations I have on there. Um, and I even have videos on there from Mike Winger, who is a charismatic who, who talks about the passion translation. The passion translation should not be used in any way, shape, or fashion as a Bible. End of discussion. And if you if yep. you, if you have if you have issue with me about that, um, this is coming from someone who Brian Simmons recommended me to his publishing house to help potentially write the Bible study, uh, the books for the Bible study project for the Passion Translation. And thank God that that didn't happen. Um, but I used to read the Passion Translation and I don't read it anymore because it's not a translation. That's just a side note. Um, for those who may listen and are part of this group, um, you may be upset with this conversation. And, and Trisha and I are just here to tell you that we love you. I mean, if you're upset, you're upset. It's okay. I'm not upset with you. <laughs> and she's not upset with you. Um, yeah. But And you may think that we're touching the Lord's anointed. And I would just encourage you, you need to go back and see what Psalm 105, 15 says in context. And it's also in 2 Chronicles 16, I believe. Um, you need to see what that says in context because neither one of us are, are calling for physical harm for Jenny or for no. anyone else. Um, and that scripture does not apply to addressing te public teaching. When public, when teaching is public, this is not a private matter. When it is available for all the masses to see all over the world and it is pumped out like that and it's put on video and it's deliberately done in such a way to do that then it can be publicly critiqued yeah um and that's what we should be doing as as believers um no one is is calling for physical harm um and any individual who claims to teach or to publicly prophesy with authority opens themselves up to scrutiny and to testing and uh, and to judgment with righteous judgment uh, Jesus said in John 7, 24, we are to judge with righteous judgment. And so I want to read this real quick before we end our time. Um, this is a passage It's always, uh, well, not always, but since I'm coming out of this, it's, it's stuck with me. And um, for those that may not know, 26 of the 27 letters in the New Testament have some sort of warning in them about false teachers. So God must have thought that was pretty important. Mm -hmm. uh, to be to pay attention to first okay. Timothy six uh, says in verse three, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. 
He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there is a great gain in godliness with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. But Paul goes on to, to encourage Timothy. He says, for as you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, that passage has stuck with me for a long time because I think it I could relate a lot to the description mm -hmm. of the false teacher in that passage and also the encouragement to fight the good fight of faith. Um, and so I wanted to have this conversation with Trish because I, I'm genuinely concerned about what's going on in this group that's considered itself now a movement um, and, and the teachings and the claims that are coming out of this group. Um, and there are women that are coming out of this group that are um, very um, hurt. There's damage that's been done. Um, and I know I'm not, again, I'm not the be all end all, but if I can provide any help in any way, shape or fashion, I'm willing to do that. Um, yeah. and I, and I want to close with this, and this is the most important thing that we could ever say. Um, we are all sinners. Um, none of us are righteous. Scripture says that none of us are righteous. No, not one. No one seeks after God. Um, sin came into this world because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And sin, sin came in and because of that death entered the world. Romans 5, 12 through 21 talks about that. And we have all broken God's laws and we cannot keep his laws. And God demands perfection and we are not capable of perfection. Um, and so when we don't know Christ, apart from Christ, God's judgment abides on us. We, before, apart from Christ, we're considered sons of disobedience. We're children of wrath. Um, we are slaves to sin. But Jesus came, who was truly God and truly man. He lived a sinless life. He obeyed the Father. He was perfect in every way. He was all God and all man. And he did what we could not do. And he took upon him the wrath of God on the cross. He took the, the penalty for our sins on the cross. And he satisfied that wrath on the cross that we deserved. And because of what Christ did, now he has cleansed us. For those who are in Christ and answer the call of repent and believe, turn from your ways and come to Christ 
and be cleansed of your unrighteousness. Now we have great hope because the sin that we deserve punishment for, that debt has now been paid. We don't owe a debt any. For those who are in Christ, that debt has been paid. And we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. We have been delivered from the power of sin. The Holy Spirit has come to indwell born-again believers. We are sealed with the promise of redemption. He's our glorious inheritance. He is the one who testifies of Christ. He does not testify of himself, but he testifies of Jesus Christ. And now we have the promise of eternal life that we get to be with God forever. And we one day will be delivered from the presence of sin and be with him in glory. And if I can leave you with anything that's most important, it's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news to our bad news that we desperately needed salvation. And there is only one way to be saved. And that is through Jesus Christ. And so I say that because I believe that there are people in this movement that have not heard the gospel. And I believe that there are people that have heard a partial gospel. I believe there are people that have heard another gospel in this movement. And the most important prophetic message that we can ever proclaim is the gospel. And so my plea to you, for those that would hear and listen, repent, turn from your sins, and put your trust in Christ alone. And he is faithful to forgive and to transform us and to sanctify us and to make us new, to give us hearts of flesh for hearts of stone, to, to make us, to give us new hearts where he can write his word on our heart and that we realize that we are made in his workmanship for good works that he has established before the foundations of the world. So um, I want to leave with that. I want to leave with the gospel. And I hope that those that have stayed the course with us today in this longer podcast have um, have gleaned from it and it's been a helpful um, helpful episode for you all um, if, is there any contact that you want to leave any sort of uh, way that people could contact you if they want to do so Trish yeah um, if you want after you post this you can link my Facebook or my Instagram and if you'd like to follow me message me I'm open to that um uh, I do not want to gossip. I do not want to slander. I, if you want to message me, it's purely to help you uh, get connected with uh, biblical counseling um, and things like that and helping you find a church. I have actually helped a couple sisters find a church in their areas um, with the church finder that Don had sent me. Yeah. Um, but I want to be open to talking about these ultimately traumas um, that we have from this movement and, but I do not want to slander or gossip. So let's keep it, you know, um, let's keep it biblical and Christ is watching. (laughs) The Lord is always watching and, um, uh, no gossip sessions, but come to me if you need any help with anything. If you want to just talk to me, um, I'd love to hear from you. And, um, 
I will say, please do not discount biblical counseling. Um, I have been through deliverance <laughs> so many times for uh, childhood traumas and things like that. And there are just, there are things that we have to talk about um, in counseling that can truly help us. Uh, it doesn't mean you have a demon or you need deliverance of something. Um, <laughs> I, I have a lot of trauma from past childhood and things like that. And um, talking to a counselor, a pastor, it has helped me in more ways than all these deliverance classes I've been to. And so um, just uh, reach out to Dawn and I, and we are here for you. We love you. We're praying for you. And Dawn, I'm so blessed to have been on here. Thank you. Um, it was, it was hard, um, but we did it and I'm grateful for you. You're, you're such a, an amazing sister in Christ. And I love your heart for the Lord and what you're doing for these women and how much you care enough to put yourself out there and uh, speak about these hard things. You, you are such a blessing to all of us. Well, I appreciate that. And to God be the glory. God be the glory. Amen. All right, y'all. Well, it's been good being on here and I look forward to seeing you all again uh, when we cover another topic. So until that time, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawn at lovesubscribe.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesubscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.